When it meets with an overwhelming pressure, the overwhelming pressure is going to win and the likelihood is that you'll look back in 10 years' time and go, oh crap, um, now I'm suffering from a bad relationship and other bad relationships, instability, I haven't seen my friends in ages and my health is at risk. You are listening to the Startup Playground. Show where I invite entrepreneurs, startup founders, and game changers to talk about their success stories, learn from their mistakes, and hear about their interesting experiences. Hey, listener, it's me, Elvis, the host of this show. I hope you all are doing great because today I have a very interesting topic for you. Today we're going to talk about mental and physical performance in regards to being an entrepreneur. Personally, for me, this is a very interesting topic because I often question myself what happens when we are not in front of a laptop. What happens when we have to take care of our body to reach you know, higher goals? And therefore, I have invited Ed Lay a person who helps business leaders to increase their physical and mental performance. But without further ado, I'm just going to invite Ed to join me in conversation to tell me how can I and everybody listening can increase their health. Hey Ed. Hey Elvis, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, it's, um, it's Monday. It's a lovely day, right? <laughs> yeah, glorious. <laughs> <laughs> glorious day. Another day in, uh, in spring and Corona is taking over the world. What do you think about Corona before we start even talking about the health? Oh, good question. Um, I'm not really qualified to, uh, to speak on Corona. It hasn't impacted me, but um, I dare say it will in some way, in some shape or form at some point. Let's, let's hope that we all stay safe in Scandinavia, right? Anyway, being an entrepreneur in this fast-paced world, how is being for you? Would you call yourself an entrepreneur? Um, I guess I've never directly associated uh, with the word. I've never introduced myself as that. But um, I guess it, it needs a working definition. So um, I tend to split entrepreneurs into two different categories. Enterprise entrepreneur or expert entrepreneur. And for a really long time, especially when I lived in the UK, I used to identify with the enterprise entrepreneur, not entrepreneur, not really thinking about it because that's the one that we're so often exposed to. This idea that we need to take something and then we need to scale it and scale it and scale it and scale it. And actually, what I found was that moved me further and further away from the thing that I actually wanted to be doing with my time. And then when I started looking at the working definition of entrepreneur, I realized I could be an expert entrepreneur and not seek to massively scale everything, but structure things around me being the expert, then um, that was a much better definition of entrepreneur for me and one that I do more closely relate to, for sure. Where are you from, Ed? Uh, Bristol in the United Kingdom at the moment. How is the situation in England? 
have you are you keeping like the the situation in England in your mind or just like I'm in Scandinavia now I don't think about you know yeah I mean I uh I'm I speak to people in England frequently I get opinions from people in England but ultimately 10 opinions seldom make up what's actually happening right so who knows what's going on in England that that's what I was that's what I was thinking to mention because it's kind of like one thing the media is telling us and the other thing is that what's the reality isn't it yeah, do you know what I haven't read any news in probably 10 years now so um I I steer clear of that aside from what pops up in Facebook feeds when I'm looking at what my friends are up to that's an interesting way of living Ed I will say Moving on a little bit. Could you tell me more about yourself, except that you are from Bristol? Where would you have me start? <laughs> I mean, how did you realize that you want to become help other business leaders to increase their physical and mental performance? Um, I guess it's something that I um I could say I bumbled into it, but there were fingerprints of that in across my life completely, really. I mean, um I've always been interested in my own physical performance and very much separated that from mental performance and wasn't really into that side of things but uh, I played a lot of football as a kid but also did a lot of football coaching I set up a, a soccer school when I was uh, 15 um I went to college and did sports science and then I did a degree in sports conditioning and and coaching so I guess everything that i've ever done has kind of worked towards improving people's performance but as i got a, a greater understanding of it it's kind of honed in and zeroed in on on business leaders you're mentioning that all you do is help others to increase their performance and health right how about yourself because another episode that i had before I spoke with a person who helps to set goals for other people's. But then I asked the question, what do you do to yourself? In this case, how do you help yourself to increase your physical and mental performance? Well, I guess the way I like to have the way I look at it and the way I encourage my clients to look at it is that ultimately everything you do is an output. So, whether it's a conversation like this one, or whether it's work or whether it's your physical health it's all your output and those are side effects of the input and the interpretation so um if i want to be able to help somebody very well improve their own physical and mental performance then the most important ingredient in that is my physical and mental performance so the best way to make me really bad at my job is to not look after my physical and mental performance and the same is true of the CEOs entrepreneurs startup founders that that I work with is you know their output is a product of their input and their interpretation of so uh so before everybody else it's you absolutely it's important it's important to care about ourselves before we care about others your personal life goals would you like to help every person in a business ecosystem what's your life goals basically so the way i look at it is my purpose right is uh when i've done work to define what my purpose is it's to show people that if they want to in- achieve lives of um health and fulfillment and happiness and and success 
It's not about being more than they are. It's about integrating all of the past fear and pain and, and overwhelm back into who they are rather than keeping those things as separate parts. That's a thing that I teach to business leaders. Um, one, because I empathize with their challenges. I you know, run businesses and stuff myself and have a young family and, and all of those those challenges that go with it. But two, because I see that I can help the largest amount of people by going in through business leaders. If I help Kenny, the copy guy at the bottom of a company, I don't get to charge very much. And because I don't get to charge very much, I can't help him very deeply because he can't afford too much. And his ripple effect is going to be his friends and family because that's all he influences most likely. Whereas if I go to the top of the company, I can improve that whole company and all of their families by working on the ripple effect that, that goes into the, the way companies work, right? If you're the CEO or leader of a company, then you're going to be influencing everybody in that company in some way. So I work with the leaders so that I can impact the most amount of people. So you don't believe that helping the bottom people will reach the top? No. Fair enough. So then, then there is a question because your whole business is helping the business leaders. So why, why do leaders have to optimize their physical mental performance? I mean, it's kind of obvious question, but I would love to hear from you. Well, I guess first and foremost, they don't have to do anything. But if the output that they're creating is leading to things that they don't want in their life, then they need to pay attention to, to their, the way that they're operating in the world, right? So if your relationships aren't yielding what you want them to and your income isn't and you're stressed, unhealthy, overwhelmed, not sleeping well, you know, it, it, it all starts with you, not, you know, it's not anybody else's responsibility to remedy those things. And when do you, when do you realize that it's time to help myself? Is there like uh, somebody knocking your body? Is this when you're feeling bad? Or what are the symptoms of like when I'm like, okay, now I have to take care of myself because I have overworked myself? Or yeah, The symptoms are wild and various. And the people that notice at very, very, very different times, right? We were born able to notice straight away, right? We cried when we were hungry and we slept when we were tired and we were, um, we ran away or attacked when we didn't feel safe. And all of that stuff is just, it's ingrained in us. If we all followed our feelings and we all knew what they meant still, everybody would be doing all that they needed to do and no more for their physical and mental performance. But the symptoms that we get are, uh, are a side effect of, I guess, the stress and overwhelm that, that we decide that we have to tolerate. So for some people, I would say the previous generation, caveat, I'm 37, the previous generation wouldn't come to me until they'd had a heart attack or they had quit their job because of chronic stress and had had to leave. They 
were closing in on the age that their parents died or their father died most often. They were taking pills for heart problems or they just had cancer and managed to get to the other side of it. That was the previous generation. This generation, my generation from what I can see, many more are noticing sooner. And I think running a company is to attract that stuff to you, right? Whereas most people will go, that feels uncomfortable. Or a lot of people will say, that feels uncomfortable. I'm going to move away from it. As soon as you become responsible for 20 people, 30 people, 100 people, 200 people, you start to realize, okay, there's a lot on my shoulders here. So I'm going to go and get some some help with this now. And uh, people are getting better at asking for help. Some people still see it as a taboo, which is, I guess, in part why we have such a high suicide rate. So you are saying that there have been some kind of generational shift and wouldn't be like that Food has a huge impact on all this and the environment we live in because if we look back in the generation before us and if we compare it to generation currently and the generation upcoming, we've been living in this technological and innovational periods that, you know, it's also to strive and to reach some kind of goals. We have to work even harder than we did a couple of generations before. To be honest, I think it's never, ever been easier to achieve your goals. Um, I think it's disproportionately easier. I could make a full-time income that's better than most companies would hire me for on eBay. You know, it's, it's, it's really easy to create an income now. And because of that, we're just demanding more and we're asking for more purposeful work. So it's our own fault. What's our own fault? That we are asking for more and uh, that we are causing ourselves to reach stress in a faster way than the previous generations? I'm, I don't think that we are reaching stress faster than previous generations. I think that we're getting better at noticing signs of stress, whereas previous generations were told that emotions were bad, right? Like uh, women were over-emotional and men weren't allowed to have emotions and, and all of those numbing things tended to result in numbing behaviors like smoking or drinking or or whatever right whereas now it's kind of people are talking a lot more about it being okay to notice that you're not okay and and go and ask for help with it you know there's still some taboo around it but uh it's certainly coming down now i'd love to talk about a little about the services that you offer so therefore the question is that could you describe your services in like three words could I describe my service in... Um, in three words. Transforming leaders. Ta-da. That's good. And what <laughs> services do you offer her? Um, so I help leaders, high-level performers, to, to optimize their physical and mental performance. I do the same with leadership teams who want to transform, I guess, the way that they operate and their companies. And I also have a company called Absolute Health that helps corporations to deal with stress and the huge expense that is stress. The current way of dealing with stress in a company is you go to a doctor when you've noticed that you're overwhelmed and you get signed off for a year. I mean, and that is kind of the um, complete misunderstanding of the way that, that stress actually works. And basically it's saying you're stressed because of work, but you probably can't pinpoint why it is but we're going to let you go away from work 
calm down a bit and then hope to go back to work, which is incredibly expensive for the company and incredibly unempowering, disempowering for the individual. And it's not true either. On your LinkedIn program, LinkedIn, I read that you offered this 24-week program that you approach, I think, business leaders. I, I wanted to have any clarification because you wrote that I offer a 24-week program. Yep. Could you elaborate on it? What includes in these 24-week programs? Firstly, it's a, a wildly different program for everybody that takes part uh, because it's a neuroscience-based system where we systematically remove the environmental threats from thought, memory, and our environments, internal environments and external environments, so that you naturally improve your physical and mental performance from where you are. I'm not about to take um, somebody who isn't doing anything and then go, right, you have to follow this high intensity program. And I'm not about to take somebody who's performing at elite level in one area and, and say, you need to do even more, right? It's a it's highly personalized experience, but it's based on systems that work 100% of the time. Otherwise, you're not really coaching. That leads me to question that's also related to your company right now, or the things that you do is that, what is your biggest obstacle mainly working with other people? Um, choosing people that are ready, it, I guess, would be my, my busy, biggest obstacle. I mean, I don't take on everybody that applies to work with me, but sometimes you can get along really well with somebody and think, this person is great because I get on with them, but, uh, but actually they haven't answered any questions and haven't been willing to face questions. And then you end up, you know, it's the error on my part of, uh, of having a good filtration system to make sure that I help the people that are most ready to be helped. But, uh, but I've got a system for that now, but it's what came to mind when you said the biggest obstacle. So basically you cannot help people who don't want to be helped. Um, I don't think it's don't want to be helped, but a good example would be if I remove it from the, the coaching context and put it into a personal training context, the reason that people don't get the health results isn't because they don't know what to do. It's because they can't get themselves to do it. And if you say to somebody, we're going to work on why you can't get yourself to consistently do it, and they say, no, I just want you to exercise me, then essentially you're signing up for, or I would be signing up for being someone's exercise buddy for the rest of their life, uh, because the way habits work is not based on repetition. So I could be somebody's exercise buddy three days a week for a year. And then as soon as I pulled the linchpin out that was me, the habit likely wouldn't remain on the other side of it. And what are the dangers of putting basically the work ahead of yourself? Because problem that I've seen in entrepreneurship that sometimes or most of the times we don't think about ourselves, personally myself, because I'm, I can put myself in example. Basically, when I'm working, I forget, for example, to drink water, eat, sleep, which are basically, you know, the main things that people have to do, right, to survive. So therefore, this question is what happens when that happens? Do you know what? That's a, 
there's kind of a, a, a case by case things and, and I really I empathize with it. It's one of those things that, okay, so you're an entrepreneur, you've just taken on a monster project. The chances are that sometimes you are gonna have to forego some sleep in order to do that thing. And me saying, you really ought to get to bed by 11 o'clock isn't going to cause anybody to go to bed by 11 o'clock. But uh, ultimately, if you're doing that for longer than a few days or you're doing it a few times a week, the negative consequences are going to outweigh that, those small term consequences. And forget was another word that you said there, right? So it all comes back to habits, you know, 90 to 95 percent of what we do is done on autopilot. So if you don't have your fluid intake and your sleep and your exercise and, and all of those things set on autopilot and the way that you operate in the world set on autopilot, then when it meets with an overwhelming pressure, the overwhelming pressure is going to win. And the likelihood is that you'll look back in 10 years time and go, oh crap, um, now I'm suffering from a bad relationship and other bad relationships, instability. I haven't seen my friends in ages and my health is at risk. But still at the same time, it's recognizing that there will be those occasional trade-offs where you are burning the candle at both ends. Yeah, but then, you know, entrepreneurs say that, you know, you have to work hard and smart. Uh, you have to work smart, not hard. And um, that work is going to take a big part of your life. Steve Jobs said that, and you have to find something that you love to do, right? That leads me to question is that, you know, relationships are also part of our life because we all live like with the friends and uh, we all have to have uh, a partner, female or male, but we cannot exclude those parts. Therefore, the question is that, you know, which is more important? I mean, it's a stupid question right now that I'm going to ask, but... What has to be prioritized as the first thing? Relationships or business? Because well, business puts your, fills up your fridge and relationships makes you calm. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a question for, um, for each individual person. And, you know, what we see, I mean, what you've kind of mentioned there is that the social media of what entrepreneurs say, you need to work you need to hustle or you need to work smart rather than hard or you need to put relationships above or you need to create worth like balance. It's all bullshit really, right? Because it's all too vague. It's not specific. It's vague and imprecise. So people read it, they hear it as a complete cliche, they carry it around, they hand it back off to people and it's nonsense. It, it, none of it holds any meaning, right? So what does putting your relationship first actually mean? What does it look like? Unless there are specific things where you can go, I'm putting this person first above my work. Or, you know, if you said to your partner, I'm going to put you first. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to spend all of my time with you. Your partner's going to go, that's not first for me. I don't want that, right? You you have to have an agreement of, of what your relationship, what you want it to look like, an agreement of what you want your parenting to look like, agreement of what you want the relationships with your colleagues and your friends to look like, and a transparent look about what you've decided is, is a good relationship 
and just not lie to yourself and then dump all of the cliches where they belong on Instagram. So we are like, um, we are like sheep that following all these cliches and all these um, written and written rules that we have to hustle and we have to perform and be all that. So that all is kind of written for somebody else, not for us. So it's, we have to focus on ourselves and think about, does this applies to us? Is that what you mean? Absolutely. I mean, let's take out hustle and play with it, right? What does hustle mean? Everybody's got a slightly different interpretation of what hustle means. But I think what, um, I think Gary Vaynerchuk was probably the person that uh, that has most coined that phrase. And what some people mean by it is you need to sacrifice something. But I think what Gary means and what I would agree with is that everything that we do is cause and effect. And if you're not having the effect that you want, then you're not creating the right cause. So if you uh, want to sell a certain amount of product and your product is good and you have enough people who've tried it that aren't your brother's sister's best friend mother and you aren't creating the sales sales that you want then you need to reach out more and you will only create the sales that you want if you reach out more so hustle in that context is specific it means I'm creating X amount of sales and if I want more sales, I need more outreach. And if we can be that specific about what we mean in every area of our life, lives, the stress goes away because stress is just prediction and response. It's looking at your current reality and saying, at the moment, here's how I'm causing my current effect. Here's what I'm going to do next to create a different effect. So what does cause stress? Because personally, me sometimes... If I look at my life, I don't like to keep myself in stress. I like to go with the flow and just, you know, what happens, happens. Stress doesn't cause anything good in my life, personally. So then there's a question, what does cause stress? Okay, so let's play with the word stress first. Stress essentially means that the body has entered the sympathetic branch of the nervous system. So it's gone into fight, flight, freeze mode in order to survive the the current environment. So stress is really, really useful if there is a lion around the corner. If you are on a podcast and you want to be alert to answering the questions and producing your best answers and concentrating. Now, those might have differing degrees. Let's say it's one to 10. A 10 might be the lion. And a three might be the podcast. But physiologically, the same things are going on. So that's stress. But more stress than we want is probably what we call chronic stress. That's when I'm entering into the sympathetic branch of my nervous system unskillfully, i.e. it serves no purpose. So if I go home tonight and I'm sat watching Netflix and then I start thinking about things in my life that for which I don't have a clear system of cause and effect for or a lack of prediction and response and I go into the sympathetic branch of my nervous system that serves no purpose at all and my body will request me to fight or flight so it will flood my system with glucocorticoids or sugar 
it will flood my system with cortisol and adrenaline and neuroadrenaline and my body will go into a protection mode. It'll stop growing, stop repairing, stop digesting, stop consolidating my memory, all because of an imagined reality, something that isn't true because I don't have a system of resolution for that. Stress is essentially too much unuseful stress response. And can stress be considered always a bad thing? Because if I if I mention like my own, you know, when I'm going to do some kind of speech and I have stress, will I perform the best? And my body creates this, this, you know, I pump up myself. So it's like, oh yeah, it's going to be good. Everything going to be good. And then I consider that as a good, good stress. But then if we take the same example and we, th and then I'm thinking like, I have a stress that I'm going to fail then it's a bad stress. So therefore, can the stress be always considered as a bad thing? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good example that you've presented there. I mean, uh, the example that I give is the roller coaster, right? Two people are queuing for a roller coaster and uh, one guy says, yeah, so um, I hate roller coasters. I'm really scared of them because my palms are sweating and my heart is pounding and I start kind of shaking and um, the other guy says, yeah, me too. That's excitement. And you've got the same physiological response for excitement or for fear. It's, you know, it's necessary. You're about to do something that your brain considers high risk, but you can label it excitement over stress. But what's, when it's negative is when you can look around and go, this feeling here serves no purpose to me. It's not helping me to create any different action. It's just a response to my environment that doesn't help me in this environment. So if you're about to have a boxing match or a presentation or a roller coaster or a crucial conversation and that stress response helps move you towards a useful action, great. If it moves you towards an unuseful or unskillful action, then that's what you would call bad stress or unuseful stress is, uh, is how I categorize it. So now we have spoken about the health, how to, uh, about what is stress and what causes stress. That leads me to this question, like how to basically we can improve our health and reduce affecting our health with our actions being an entrepreneur. So basically how to improve your health. I guess the, it starts with honesty, right? It, uh, and not necessarily honesty with anybody else, but honesty with yourself. So any journey that you want to take anywhere only starts when you've got 100% clarity about exactly where you are now. So sitting down with a pen and paper and saying, as honestly as I can be in this moment, here's how I would describe my health my relationships, my mental health. And you can be as specific as you like. You can narrow it down to any area of your life, but creating as much honesty as you can about where you are and then is the only thing that creates the doubt that leads to transformation. So there are two transformations that have to occur in order for you to change a habit. And the first one is doubt. And it is doubt that your current actions are creating the results or that your current actions will ever create the desired results. And that starts with being honest about where you are with yourself. 
So the honest, being honest is the first step to improving your health today and reducing the stress. Absolutely. A couple of weeks ago, I read one article and they were written a headline that a business leaders of nowadays have to train as a high performance athletes, meaning that there are some similarities between the athletes and business leaders because we as a leaders have to perform at our best and sometimes even push ourselves to the limit where a normal human being doesn't push it, like sleep less, eat less, think faster, or all these kind of traits, right? But why? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that they should prefer, uh, train like a performance athlete. But if you look at what an athlete does, let's take a footballer. A pro professional footballer has to give their highest performance, their best level of performance for 90 minutes. And the rest of their life goes into making sure that they put the best performance in that 90 minutes. So there's a whole load that goes into that. So first, there's skill deconstruction. And if you put that into a comparison with leaders, let's say a leader has to communicate very, very well. And the better that a leader communicates, the better the company operates. So it's based on high quality conversations. The words that you say and the words that you write are going to be your forms of communication. And the better you get at that, the better your company will run, just like a performance athlete's communication is of paramount importance. So deconstructing and then reconstructing that as a skill is going to be really important. And you could list all of the various skills that a leader has to do and deconstructing those skills so that you can improve at them is going to make you a better leader. And if you're a better leader, then you'll need fewer staff You'll have to have fewer conversations. You'll have less stress. You'll have a better culture. You'll have to spend less money to get more better results, right? That's pretty inarguable. And then what goes into producing your best performance? Well, I guess if you just look at each in thing individually and go, if you sleep enough in order to let your body repair and consolidate memory, and clean itself out. We know those things happen in our sleep. If you do enough of that, then will you perform better? Yes. We know that there's a something like a 10% decrease in performance for being just slightly sleep deprived, right? So if you lose one hour from what you should get in inverted commas there, you're going to be 10, 11% worse mentally performing. After two days, you won't know that you're worse mentally performing because your body, your brain just calibrates and basically hides it from you. Now, the same is true of dehydration. 2% dehydration correlates to an 11% drop in mental performance. And we can do this all day in all areas, right? We can do it with exercise. We can do it with just how much you move during a day or how much you don't move during a day, how many toxins you take in, how well ventilated your office is, how well lit your office is in correlation with outside. There are literally dozens and dozens and dozens of things that you could add in to improve your performance. And actually, every now and then we get some, someone in a generation. And if we go to sport, we get Ronaldo. Ronaldo relentlessly does 
more than anybody else does to improve his performance, which has put him head and shoulders above everybody else. And I guarantee that that's not due to talent. It's due to all of the other things that he's done to nurture the stuff that he innately had. But humans aren't born with the football gene, right? So it's about the mental and physical performance things that he's added in incredibly skillfully, of course. But um, if we want to get more out of ourselves, then we have to look at those things that can provide a disproportionate gain. Like being dehydrated, being hydrated will provide a disproportionate gain to pretty much anybody who was dehydrated, which kind of is a large part of the population at any given time. But isn't sometimes pushing yourself to the limits can in the long term cause a negative health effects? Yeah, I, I think there's a huge misunderstanding to, to pushing yourself to the limits. I mean, um, again, that's, that's vague and imprecise. It doesn't really mean anything. What does pushing yourself to the limit actually mean? For example, for, I can feel in my own body certainly that since I became an entrepreneur and I'm not saying I'm complaining about being that is that I'm sleeping less. So basically my sleep have went from eight hours to six hours. Yeah. But because of also my job, my primary job, which starts very early and in, in the way that, you know, I'm not used to going sleep like at nine or eight o'clock in the evening to get this perfect eight hour sleep or is eight hours that every person has to sleep or a person have, can sleep less and still perform best? There is for sure an amount of sleep for each individual that has them perform better and their best. And generally that is the work that has to happen at night. So if you said, I'm not going to change from six hours sleep a night, then I would say, okay, so how do we make that six hours sleep twice as effective as it currently is and look at the rest of your life and, and the things that you're doing, right? So if you're dehydrated, you're going to get worse quality sleep. If your lymphatic system is clogged up, you're going to get worse sleep. If you have electronics in your room, you're going to get worse sleep. If you looked at a screen within two hours before bedtime, you're going to get worse sleep. If your temperature in your room isn't right, you're going to get worse sleep. If your room doesn't have a window open, you're going to get worse sleep. If there's dust in your room, you're going to get worse sleep. And I could go on probably uh, longer than we're willing to record this podcast of ways that you could improve your sleep, right? But so pushing yourself to the limits in that context is, is essentially saying the only thing that has changed is is my sleep. The only thing that I can affect is my sleep. Whereas what I'm saying is that you can massively optimize things so that six hours sleep becomes double the value from one person to another. So you're saying that there are certain things that we have to follow to have this perfect sleep? To improve our sleep. Because you just mentioned all the things that I do and I'm not sure, am I getting full sleep or maybe I'm just sleepwalking every day since I started being an entrepreneur in that case? Because I do watch electronics before the sleep. I don't open a window and um, yeah, 
It comes back to our concept of time, right? Mm -hmm. What we go, um, and nobody makes the mistake in sport. Nobody says that my 90-minute contribution is equal to Ronaldo's 90-minute contribution. And the same is true of sleep. If everybody got four hours sleep a night for the rest of their life, if we just said that's a universal truth, everybody's allowed four hours, we wouldn't all die at the same time because we were now regulating this four hours there'd be a vast difference in quality based on what your brain what work your brain has got to get done if you've got alcohol in your system for example which means if you've drunk in the last 72 hours your brain is going to say alcohol out first and then once alcohol is out it's going to say now let's try and fix the backlog of all of the mistakes you made right then it's going to say, we've got a load of work to do inside your body to repair. Are all of the ingredients present? Because if you didn't eat enough protein and you didn't eat enough nutrients, basically the exact chemical requirements that your body has, then the jobs can't happen, right? Just like if somebody needs to dig up the road outside and you haven't provided a digger and the tools and hard hats and electricity and water and all the stuff that has to go into it, that job won't happen. And the same is true of nutrition. The, the repair that has to happen at night just won't happen if the stuff isn't available. So now over time, your eight hours of sleep a night or your six hours sleep a night is worth less and less and less and less. And your body's just working on allowing you to stay alive, not thrive. So what you're suggesting is to sleep more. That wasn't what I was suggesting, no. <laughs> uh, what I'm suggesting is that there's something that everybody can do to improve their sleep. Most people will say, I, a lot of people will say, I can't get any more sleep than I can. But everybody could improve the quality of their sleep in some way by making one small measure and then another small measure and then another small measure. But wouldn't it be kind of connected to the habits that, you know, you personally, me, I have set some kind of like a daily routine to have everything done, including, you know, like going to my main job, meeting up with people staying uh, in focus with the business and everything and everything wouldn't be kind of connected to the habits that you know you are already living in this daily routine for a very long time and you have developed some kind of certain habits of going about the day i'm not sure i entirely understand your question the question the question that i'm kind of asking is that can habits affect our health in meaning that you know there are good habits and then there are bad habits. Which yeah, is I mean, of, of course. I mean, we all know that uh, habits have consequences, right? And I'm not a fan of the term good habit or bad habit because any habit that you have was formed as a good habit in this moment, okay? So people smoke for social connection or to medicate a feeling, that's the only reason that people start smoking, right? Because objectively, we know smoking bad, right? We knew that before we started. There's no, never been anybody who's ever thought, these things are good for me, right? So why start? Because your, our brain prioritizes social connection now far above long-term consequences. So... Basically, we started anything that we might call a bad habit 
to create social connections. So it's not a bad habit. It's a good habit that has bad consequences. So if we can deal with both areas, if we can go, how am I going to lose social connection? Or will I lose social connection if I stop this thing and deal with the part of your brain that panics when you say you're going to create a new behavior or stop a behavior and then create a new a new behavior instead that will either facilitate the same result or move you in the direction you want to go in. It becomes much easier to create a, a new habit. And uh, I'm sorry, does that answer your question? Kind of. <laughs> Therefore, I wanted to ask you the question is that, you know, you said you don't like to say good or bad habits, right? Are there right habits? Are there right habits? Right habits. And how to choose those right habits? You're just trying to trick me. That's right or wrong habits. Um, the habit is... Uh, <laughs> the habit is, what, what result do I want? And am I willing to do the behavior that is required in order to get the result? Of, of which there are probably many. And am I willing to sacrifice the things that I will lose? And that just takes a kind of a grown-up look at it rather than a, I'm going to force this into my life and force other things out of my life, which just isn't how our, we work as humans. Okay, fair enough. I didn't try to trick you in. I just Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> the next thing that I would love to talk about is about how to balance, because we spoke about relationships and the importance of relationships, right? Some people see relationships as an important part of their lives. Some people don't. So therefore, the question is how to balance between business and relationships. Because as I mentioned before, somebody has to put that food in that fridge, but also somebody has to make love to your wife or, or <laughs> husband or something, right? It's like you're outsourcing it. <laughs> so, so how to balance your work between your personal life? I guess it, it comes back to um, what do you want to put into your relationship? What do you want to get out of your relationships? Which are the important relationships to you? What do you want to put into your work? What do you want to get out of your work? It comes back to creating that prediction and response and, and clarity around all of those areas. Those tend to be conversations that, that we rarely, rarely have, that if we did have, would work much better, right? It's I would never take on a business contract without agreeing the T's and C's of it, right? You've got to say, these are the terms and conditions. This is what I believe I'm buying from you. And this is what I believe I'm buying from you, vice versa, right? And a relationship's not necessarily transactional, but there are expectations in them. And relationships break down when those expectations aren't met. And uh, if you're an entrepreneur and you are going to be working a lot of hours, you've got to be willing to have the conversation rather than say, I'm just going to see where this ends up and I'm, I'm going to be vague and imprecise with you and, and hope you stick around. So you're putting other person into a risk of either keeping up with you and keeping up with your schedules or kind of going to something else because, you know, there are not so many people who support their loved ones in their business because personally me, it's super hard to perform the best and also be this perfect boyfriend. Do you know what be perfect boyfriend means? Being besides her and uh, loving her when she needs. 
but I may Do be wrong. Do you feel like that is vague and imprecise? It is vague, but you also have to put that food in that fridge. Again, sure, I think that comes back to knowing the exact cost of putting food in the fridge and the fact that you you know you may not have chosen the the simplest way of doing that you've probably chosen something that you're passionate about and you know those are conversations that need to be had but then at the same time we we're going back to what what are relationships you put the word need in there and uh, for me there's probably a need in the parent-child relationship right because you've brought someone into the world that can't care for themselves but the idea that love relationships are about mutual need is that's transactional right and uh, that's a, the I, this mythical idea of you complete me and i won't be able to get through any of this without you is a bad footing to start any relationship off on because it's basically saying that you're not capable of doing these things on your own, of, of looking after these things on your own. You know, a relationship should be a celebration of your individual completeness, not finding each other as two halves of one whole. So what you're saying is that a lot of people have put this thing that relationships are to complete each other rather than, you know, celebrate. Absolutely. The, the idea of you complete me all of a sudden is, hey, it's your responsibility to care for me when I'm sad rather than you get to care for me when I'm sad. You know, if you've decided that a relationship is important to you, you've got to decide what you're willing to put into it and what important actually means in, in that context and being in it together and what that actually means and, you know, what you value in life and... Uh, what you want to get from a partner and be really clear and specific about that and decide whether you're willing to put that into the relationship. Interesting. Interesting way of approaching it. And I also have very interesting talk with you. I kind of <laughs> flew away from whatever I wanted to ask you, but I asked you some other specific things that's also close to me and also I believe that the listeners will enjoy and listen to what you have had to say. But to finalize and kind of put the cherry on this beautifully built cake that we have built in the last one hour, I wanted to ask you this question, you know, all this shows about entrepreneurship and how entrepreneurs can share knowledge and help each other. And you are about helping business leaders to increase their physical and mental performance through various ways as you do through your program. What would you recommend to other entrepreneurs to invest their time in if we take your level of expertise? The catchy phrase that, uh, that comes to mind is if you don't go within, you go without. And what that really means is know thyself, right? It's uh, going inside yourself and realizing that all of your actions and all of your experiences cause an effect and that you are at cause you're responsible for everything all of your outputs and you can only change those by self-reflection so if you can in a non-overly critical way non-overly judgmental way start looking at how you're causing your current reality and just start analyzing that and uh, being honest with it, then uh, you'll start more rapidly producing the results that you want in your life. And obviously call me 
to facilitate that for you. And that's what I want to ask you. <laughs> Listeners know your name, they know your surname, they know what you do. But because we live in this age that it's so many people around and we are surrounded by so many businesses, could you maybe tell the listeners where and how people can find you and take their first step to increasing their health? Uh, well, um, you can find me on LinkedIn. It's E-D-L-E-Y, Ed Lay. I have a website that is uh, edlay.net. I have another website, absolutehealth.net. Uh, LinkedIn's the place that I'm generally most active. You can connect with me and send me a, a PM on there. And um, I probably post a couple of times a day on LinkedIn and I've got a few hundred blogs or a few thousand blogs out there in the world and lots of videos and stuff that, that help people for free who want to kind of get started with this stuff on their own and see where it leads them. And you started talking about blogs and I could not ask about what I read yesterday because when I start reading your LinkedIn and I highly suggest everybody who is listening to this one to go and add Lay's LinkedIn articles and read about all it. All the articles they're writing, writing are super engaging and super nice to read. But the one that stood out to me is that the number one problem for the business leaders. Yeah. Could you maybe briefly explain what it's about? Because when I was reading this, each line, it wasn't like written in paragraphs. It was more written like in a sentences that made this reading experience super like, what is the next sentence he going to say? And you kind of straight away went to this, like you didn't go like to like intro chapter, this and this, you straight away went to this, what you want to say, and then let's go about it. So could you maybe briefly explain what is the article about? I would have to confess that I'm not sure what the end point of uh, what the number one thing was for business leaders. But I imagine it was along the lines of mental performance. But I guess what the article was about is helping people, helping leaders in particular, see themselves in a story and uh, that they can say, oh, that's me, I do that. That's me, I do that. And And what I've done is I've put the fingerprints of stress into every single sentence so that people can see it's not just that feeling that you get every now and then where you go, things are a bit busy at the moment, but actually it's got traits, you know, the excessive use of caffeine and going to your phone when there's actually nothing to get from your phone right now and checking your email when there's no reason to be checking your email and not being mentally present with the people around you and not going to sleep despite the fact you've got nothing else that needs to happen now more that's more important than sleep and using alcohol to calm yourself down and using caffeine to take yourself up. It's just a small guide to allow people to see the fingerprints of stress in every moment. Yeah, that was the article. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, because I was, re I was reading through it and then the, the end, the end, the peak, I was like, so what is the end? What is this problem? And then I realized that it must be that we have to look in ourselves and think about our habits and think about what do we do and how we can help ourselves because every problem starts with ourselves, right? Yeah, so my social media takes a very specific form, and that is my philosophy, my principles, and then a diagnosis that is 
better than any diagnosis anyone's ever read or listened to before. That's my intent with it. Because as soon as you start saying, you should do this, the response is always going to be the same. I already know that, which isn't helpful. Whereas if people can see a diagnosis of what's happening, then they can then start to figure out, okay, so now I can do something about this because I know the cause. Yeah, that's true. But right now I'll say thank you to you to spending time and sharing your knowledge. It's been a pleasure. And um, I hope that the listeners, I'm definitely sure the listeners will enjoy. Some of them, they'll take their first step to increase their physical and mental performance. And hopefully they'll also contact you if they are in the region they are currently, or maybe they are in other side of the world. So maybe I see clients all over the world. You can Alice. see clients. So yep. everybody who listens, please contact Adley, and um, I'll share the links down in the comment section or in the description section when I'm going to post this episode. But before we finish, I want to ask you one more thing about your experiences in this podcast. How was it? Most enjoyable. I mean, I always enjoy being taken in slightly different directions with, uh, with questions that I kind of ask myself frequently. But uh, it always helps to have uh, someone on an entrepreneurial journey themselves kind of ask the questions that are most burning to them. Helps me and uh, hopefully helps people listening too. I think they do. I'll thank you again, Ed, and I'll say goodbye to you today. Goodbye.